0: Here we are again. We made it past Valentine's Day. A lot of folks may be pushing their celebrations to this weekend. But we have something bigger than Valentine's Day. We got the boat, sport, and travel show that kicked off last night. Big long run next weekend as well, including the Deer Turkey Waterfowl Expo. I better say who we are first. Of course you know me. I'm Brian Pointer, your host, and we're brought to you by Indiana Donor Network, driven to save lives.org. And, uh, you know, this this time of the year is kind of giddy for me because I always have great memories of the Boat Sport and Travel Show. So today, we're going to focus a little bit on next weekend, the Deer Turkey Waterfowl Expo. Cindy Stites is going to be with us. She is the R3 coordinator. If you don't know what that is, you will by the time we're done. They're going to have a big booth uh, from the Division of Fish and Wildlife at the deer turkey waterfowl expo she's going to be there we're also going to talk to tim beck he is the hunter education coordinator for the state one of my favorite people they have a corner booth we're going to find out what they're bringing they always bring either archery or shooting they have a bunch of conservation officers a lot of kids lined up to do some interactive stuff answer questions and i always love that but we're going to kick things off with uh Our friends at the National Shooting Sports Foundation, Chris Lee, is going to join us. We're going to talk about a couple of bills that are going to blow your mind here in Indiana. Both have made it out of the House, and they're on their way to the Senate. But the National Shooting Sports Foundation, representing the shooting industry, never ceases to amaze me, the work that they have ahead of them. So don't go anywhere, Chris Lee. When we come back, it's the Indiana Outdoor Show, and I'm your host, Brian (music) Pointer. So good to be with you. It is the Indiana Outdoor Show. I am your host, Brian Pointer. Of course, we're brought to you by Indiana Donor Network, driven to save lives.org. That's the number two. Sign up to be an organ and tissue donor. We are making progress on that Indiana transplant list, but still work to be done. What a great legacy to leave. And you can do that when you buy your hunting and fishing license. Couldn't be any easier. Well, you made it through Valentine's Day midweek. Imagine this is a big weekend. For, uh, well, you know, follow-up, maybe couldn't get away during the week. What a better way to, no better way to do that than the uh, Ford Boat Sport and Travel Show. Take your honey, walk around, buy a bunch of stuff you don't need, and enjoy all the sights and sounds. But you can do this, I promise. It is my pleasure to uh, have on the show... Chris Lee, as mentioned at the top of the hour, he is with the National Shooting Sports Foundation. And Chris, it's been a minute, but how have you been? I've been doing well. How about you? I've been, uh, you know, just like everybody else, I'm still writing checks with 2023 and here we are (laughs) mid-February and I'm not sure where January went. And one minute, it's 10 below. The next minute, I'm wearing shorts. Yeah, I'm a little confused.
1: (laughs)
2: the beginning of the year uh, for us in the government relations world um, it's it's kind of a blur for us too. Um, So I represent the firearm industry with NSSF being the trade association for the firearm industry. We represent about 10,500 companies um, in the firearm industry across the country. And we have government relations people spread out throughout the country and it's a federal level. And I myself, I'm based here in Indiana, but I cover eight states and, and this beginning portion of the year is the time when pretty much every state is in session across the country. And then a lot of states finish up around March or April and things slow down a little bit, but, but I'm with you. Beginning of the year is a blur.
0: I have no idea how you can possibly do this in eight states because I know how difficult it is. And I'm not down at the state house, but we talk about issues literally every week here on Indiana Outdoors when the legislature is in session or leading up to it. And it's hard enough for me just to pay attention. I know that's your full time job, but that is uh, quite a burden to carry, especially when you have to yeah. deal with all those folks. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's not, it's not easy, but I enjoy it. I wanted to lobby for the firearm industry all my life and, and I'm honored to be able to represent um, the companies in our industry in these eight states. So I've essentially got Iowa over to Ohio and then from Wisconsin down to Tennessee right now. And, and I've helped in some of those states. So that, that takes some of the load off. It's not just me in every state.
0: Chris Lee with the National Shooting Sports Foundation. You probably uh, are familiar with the work of the NSSF, as he has described. On behalf of the firearms industry, of course, the biggest of all is the SHOT show in Vegas that was in January. And have heard some reports that it was perhaps one of the better ones that they had been to. And these are from veterans. And I'm just curious, kind of post Uh, debrief here. What was your perspective? How was SHOT Show in Vegas this year?
2: Well, that's good. I'm I'm glad people are reporting um, favorably for it, because I agree. I mean, this is my fourth SHOT Show, and and it was the best that I've been to, and it was our largest SHOT Show ever. Um, First of all, this is the first year, and I think this is pretty incredible. Um, This is our first year where SHOT Show was in the top 10 as far as largest trade shows in the entire country. So it was the eighth largest trade show, or it's going to be the eighth largest trade show this year um, in the entire United States. And that's going up against cars, going up against kitchen makers, it's going up against all these other industries. And here, here's the trade show devoted to hunting, the outdoors and firearms. And it's the eighth largest, it's, it's incredible. Um, so just to give your listeners kind of an idea of how large SHOT Show is, Um, Well, first of all, there's 2,500 companies that exhibit at SHOT Show, and it's 18 acres of space, and if you were to walk every aisle of SHOT Show, it'd be about 14 miles you'd have to walk to go down every aisle. Good Uh, So, it's it's an incredibly massive area um, out in Las Vegas. Um, We take up two convention centers there, and with us being in Indiana here, your viewers might like to know that 28 of those 2,500 companies that exhibited at SHOT Show, 28 of them were Indiana-based companies. Um, So it was great to see them out there. And this year was especially exciting for me with, with, you know, me being a Hoosier, even though I represent the firearm industry in a lot of states, we had um, Attorney General Rokita and um, Treasurer of Indiana, Daniel Elliott, both attended SHOT Show. Um, to meet with industry companies from Indiana and to learn more about um, what our industry is facing and, and ways that the state can help us continue to be a strong, thriving company or uh, industry um, that contributes here in Indiana. So I was, I was thrilled that uh, Attorney General Wakita and Treasurer Elliott were able to join us out there. I, I hope they enjoyed it. I know um, the companies from Indiana enjoyed meeting them.
0: Well, I know that uh, one of our good friends here on Indian Outdoors and probably yours as well, Brent Wheat, the editor of Guns Magazine, was on with me uh, a couple weeks ago. And he obviously does – he's over on Radio Row and and as editor of Guns Magazine is obviously uh, – He's right in the middle of what his wheelhouse is, and he told me that those elected officials were there, and it now makes sense as to what they might have been doing. Hopefully, they can recruit some of these businesses to come back to Indiana as well and get out of some of these wackadoo states that they're in.
2: Yeah, you know, I would love that. And, um, you know, I, I, being a Hoosier, I've, I've wanted to see the firearm industry move to Indiana for a long time. And you know, you kind of segued perfectly into the next topic I want to talk about, which is legislation. And um, there's a reason, you know, when when we see these companies, these firearm industry companies, leaving New York, California, Illinois, uh, there is a reason why the big ones aren't coming to Indiana. And it's really unfortunate. And um, we have a bill this year in Indiana that we're working on um, with partners in the the Second Amendment space uh, to try to eliminate that barrier that keeps firearm companies from from moving here. Because our industry, a lot of people don't realize, our industry employs 393,000 people in the United States. Um, So it's a significant employer. And as uh, here in Indiana, we have about 6,000 people, you know, employed in the firearm industry. So there's a lot of room for Indiana to grow in this area. And just to give you some background on the issue that's kept a lot of gun companies from moving to Indiana. So back in 1999, 40 cities across the United States, big cities. So we're talking Detroit, um, Philadelphia, Baltimore, Gary, Indiana, um, 40 cities um, worked together in collaboration to sue the gun industry for the gang crime that was taking place in their cities. And one mayor actually admitted um, that the goal of this campaign of suing the gun industry was to, quote, bring about death by a thousand cuts to the firearm industry. And that was actually um, Andrew Cuomo from New York, um, who wasn't mayor at that time. He was in a different position, but he was still pushing a lot of these lawsuits. And he admitted that that was the goal. And by 2006, fortunately, 39 of those 40 lawsuits had been dismissed or dropped because they were all without merit. It was trying to say that the fire industry should be held liable for crimes that we didn't commit. Um, But unfortunately, the Gary, Indiana lawsuit was the only one of those 40 lawsuits that was allowed to proceed past 2006. And that lawsuit is still going on today after 25 years. Are you kidding me? it's unbelievable it, it's it's um and it's without merit i mean really is what it comes down to and the state legislatures recognize that and they've passed two bills over those 25 years to try to get the gary lawsuit to go away uh, because it is it's costing indiana jobs it's threatening the firearm industry that's in indiana but on top of that um, as part of discovery in this gary indiana lawsuit which i want to mention because some people that say oh well Why does the firearm industry want this 25-year lawsuit to go away? Are they afraid of discovery? Are they afraid of having to give give over documents? And it's just not true. Um, The firearm industry has actually gone through a full round of discovery in this Gary, Indiana lawsuit, and we've provided additional documents on top of that, um, and so we've gone through discovery. Everything's been out there, but the gun control groups behind this Gary, Indiana lawsuit, and it is being run by gun control groups. Gary's very not really involved anymore other than signing, you know, where they have to sign. Um, But the goal of this is to get, to, to keep this lawsuit going so that they can keep doing discovery into the future and keep getting into firearm industry documents and private information of people that buy firearms. And this is how out of hand this lawsuit's has gotten. We found out in November that as part of this lawsuit and part of discovery, the judge was ordering um, firearm retail shops in Northwest Indiana to hand over their A&D records, which are basically their firearm sale records over. And again, this, this lawsuit is supposed supposedly about crime in the 1990s, but the documents that were being ordered to turn over span from 2000. 2004 to 2023 so it's not about crime in gary in the 1990s as part of this lawsuit we're being ordered to turn over sale records of firearms um, from firearm retail shops in northwest indiana from 2004 to 2023 so i bought my first firearm from bash pro in um, portage indiana in that time my name has already been handed over to the gun control lawyers representing Gary in this lawsuit, but they're going through Cabela's Bass Pro, and they're going to other firearm retail shops, in Northwest Indiana and handing over this, this, this information. And it's hundreds and hundreds of thousands of Hoosier law abiding Hoosier um, records are being handed over as part of this Gary, Indiana lawsuit. So anyway, um, this year the legislature is trying to finally put an end to this lawsuit. So representative Jeter, um, Introduced a bill that would just say that cities in Indiana can no longer sue the gun industry. Cities are a part of the state, and the attorney general can handle any lawsuits that need to be brought against the gun industry. That's um, all the lawsuit does. 20 other states, 21 other states have this exact same law in the books, so it's consistent with other states. It's not anything new, um, and that's that's what we're tr- we're working on here. And that bill is House Bill. Um, 1235, 1235, introduced by Representative Jeter and now is being led by Senator Freeman on the Senate side. So we're very hopeful that that bill, which has passed out of the House and is now in the Senate, we're very hopeful that the Senate in Indiana will move that bill um, for the sake of the firearm industry and the privacy of Hoosier gun owners.
0: That is insane, and I wasn't aware of that, but that's scary stuff, especially. Yeah. It doesn't surprise yeah. me it's Gary, Indiana, but it doesn't matter if it was Indianapolis, it's absolutely shocking that that's still going on. So that's why we have great commentators, uh, commentary and folks like you who are on the front lines who keep us uh, in line. Anything else in the legislature in Indiana that you're paying attention to?
2: Yeah, we have another bill in it. And this bill is actually um, not just about firearms. It's about privacy of anybody that shops at a firearm retail shop. Um, So back in 2018, there was an idea floated in the New York Times that, um, The the credit card companies in the United States could actually start maintaining a list of people that shop at firearm retail shops so that that information could be handed over to the federal government, to law enforcement, whenever they want, essentially. Because right now, the federal government legally can't keep a list of gun owners. A lot of people don't know that, but they can't. So the idea was credit card companies can keep a list, federal government can reach into that credit card company data and figure out who owns guns um, so they could be targeted essentially. And we had um, really, it was um, four years gun control groups, Senator Elizabeth Warren and some others that don't like the Second Amendment worked to get this organization based in Switzerland to approve a firearm retail code. So when when you go to a gas station, your credit card says gas station. But when you go to a firearm retail shop right now, it says um, sporting goods, sporting goods retailer, or general merchandise, typically. And um, this new firearm retail code would would make it so that any shop that sells over 50% of what they sell is guns and ammo, they would have to take a firearm retail code. And the other side has admitted that really they they want it they want this to target people. It's not a typical business decision to implement this code. Um, I was actually in a committee in Wisconsin, and somebody said. Um, one of the lobbyists for the gun control group, she said, well, we need a firearm retail code um, so we can see who's going to gun shops too often. Huh. In a different state, I had a, a lobbyist that was um, wanting these codes to go into effect, and they said, oh, well, we need to be able to see if somebody's spending a crazy amount of the gun shop, like $750, we, we should be able to flag them and report them to the federal government.
0: That's just um, ammo today. Literally.
2: Yeah, it's just ammo. It could be a pair of boots, you know, in a bag. Right. Anything you would buy at a firearm retail shop, whether it's guns or ammo or a boot, you know, a pair of boots or or a safe or a bag, it would show up as firearm retail purchase. And you you, you could be flagged if this code is there. So we're trying to ban that code in Indiana with House Bill 1084, and that was introduced by Representative Teshka. Um, here in Indiana, and Senator Baldwin is leading it over on the Senate side, and that bill also has passed out of the House and is now in the Senate, well, and we see. hope to see that that moved um, for the privacy of Hoosiers. Absolutely.
0: Chris, it's always a thrill to have you with us. Congratulations on a great SHOT show. Keep up the great work. Let's stay in touch on these bills, and we'll report back as the circus comes to an end sometime soon. And I always appreciate you keeping our listeners in the in the know. Hope you have a great week, and thanks for being a part of Indiana Outdoors, my friend.
2: Thank you for
0: having me. My pleasure. Great guy, great organization. It is the Indiana Outdoor Show. I am your host, Brian Pointer. Don't you think about going anywhere? We're going to talk some stuff going on at the Boat, Sport, and Travel Show, of course, when we return right after this. Is the indiana outdoor show so great to be with you today of course we're brought to you by indiana donor network driven to save lives.org uh we are that's that time of the year we've been waiting for it here for the last couple months we've been previewing it and it is here opening night was yesterday And the 69th annual Ford Boat Travel Show, well underway. Um, We've been talking to a lot of the folks, the seminar presenters, the folks, the personalities. But as we all know, the Department of Natural Resources always has a huge presence at the Boat, Sport and Travel Show in Tackle Town. And, of course... uh, They always provide great expertise and commentary. Cindy Stites joins us. She runs the R3 program, the Wildlife Recreation Program Manager for DNR. And I heard, Cindy, that you weren't going to be doing any presentations this year, but r three, which I'm sure you'll explain to everybody, and your group is going to be at the Deer Turkey Waterfowl Expo this year, which makes so much sense. So first of all, thanks for being a part of Indiana Outdoors and tell us about what people can expect to see in the Deer Turkey Waterfowl booth.
1: Oh, well, hey, Brian, thanks for having me on again. Um, yeah, so I'm the R3 supervisor for the state of Indiana for the Division of Fish and Wildlife. And R3, a lot of people may not know what that acronym stands for. I, I guess if you know anything about state government, there's acronyms everywhere. But R3, is it stands for Recruit, Retain, and Reactivate. And that's just a program. Uh, it's a national initiative um, that started oh back in the early 2000s. And basically, it's just um, a a way to get people involved in outdoor recreation, whether that's hunting, fishing, recreational shooting, or trapping. And I kind of run the show on that for uh, DFW. But, yeah, so we're going to be at the Deer and Turkey Expo. Uh, This is the first time that we will have an R3 booth in that space. Uh, So I will be there all three days. Um, Brandon Castellano, our hunting Uh, coordinator on that side hunting recreational shooting and trapping he'll be sharing that space with me so yeah we're excited about we're excited to talk to people about what we have coming up with the program uh this year
0: so very important and if we break those three r's down recruiting obviously getting new hunters younger hunters women anybody that would like to have an opportunity in the great indiana outdoors we need more licenses to be sold retaining those are always important you know making sure people find the value in indiana uh, enough to keep buying hunting and fishing license and reactivating is one that i'd like for you to focus on because that seems like a great opportunity for those that maybe bought a license and maybe sporadically trying to find out why or how but getting them to come back tell us about that
1: so on the reactivation side it's always a tricky one when we talk about that because it's it's really bringing people back to something that they did at one time and for whatever reason they left. And and a lot that could be any age. You know, there could be some youth um, hunters and anglers that left because, you know, they got into high school and they got busy doing sports and this, that, and the other. They or smelled they gasoline and perfume.
0: They smelled gasoline and perfume. That'll get them.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, it happens, right? It happens to the best of us. But they may have left. They may have left because of college and they got too busy with their college life. Um, You know, the older folks, sometimes they get more involved with their family or they get young kids and they're running them here and there, so they kind of get away from it. But bringing those folks back... Um, and and reminding them of why they love the activity to begin with. It also gives us an opportunity for that person to then pass that on to someone in their family, whether it be a niece or nephew, grandchild, uh, or children of their own. So it's important to remind them of why they loved it, and then it gives them the opportunity to, to kind of fall back into that recruitment Uh, responsibility where now they're bringing people out and teaching them the skills and helping them get started and kind of giving them direction so that uh, whoever they're teaching, whether it's a, you know, a youth or an adult, they can then go do that activity on their own. And the, the, the cycle kind of keeps going. So it is, it is a, you know, it's not, it's not really talked about as much as the recruit and the retention, but that reactivation is really key. And we noticed that a lot of times, especially for women anglers, we're really, really focusing on women anglers this year uh, in the R3 program in the DFW space. And the women have the highest churn rate for anglers. So they may buy a license one or two years and then they fall off. So we're working really hard this year to uh, kind of capitalize on the importance of community and just making friends while you're out on the water and, and getting those uh, women to come back and and maybe bringing friends and getting them involved as well. So
0: no better leader than you for that mission. And I know that the R3 program has been around for several years and as would be the case you know there's been some uh, people have left and moved on or advanced in their careers and there's been some gaps and stopping and starting and other things but I'd say in the last year and a half there's been tremendous traction because they have you there and your familiarity and your creativity and your charisma how about that that's a big word for early in the morning (laughs) Has, the
1: young the youngsters call that Riz.
0: Yes, you got Riz, baby. You got Riz. So at the Thank you. See again, I say this every week. I learned something on Indiana Outdoors. I'm gonna drop that into a sentence sometime later this weekend. Anyway, I mean it's there's some consistency and this is a national program, right?
1: It is a national program. I mean, almost, I I can't tell you that every state has an R3 coordinator, but I would say darn near. Uh, There is a R3 symposium that I'll be attending. That's held once a year. Um, The Council to Advance Hunting and the Shooting Sports, along with RBFF, which is the Recreational Boating and Fishing Foundation, they partner on that um, symposium for R3 practitioners and professionals, whether on the NGO side or state agency side. They do that once a year. We come together for a few days and really kind of look at a lot of different data and a lot of different um, ways that we can go about bringing people into the outdoor recreation, getting them to stay or bringing people back. It's a, it's a pretty big deal nationwide, and, sure. and there have been some naysayers. I mean, there have been some people that have said, ah, we don't want, you know, we don't want more people in our space, but I think they lose sight of where that, a lot of that conservation funding comes from. So it, it is actually really important to keep people engaged and, and introduce new people to the outdoors.
0: And, you know, we all know this to be the case, but it's not as simple as saying an email to these folks after you've captured their data saying, hey, we want you back. That's part of a very sophisticated, uh, intentional program and it's not like getting a Christmas card once a year. We miss you. So I know you're doing such a great job.
1: Yeah, it's really not. I mean, and and we've talked about that. We have some uh, events coming up. We kind of took a break on events last year because we were restructuring the R3 program. Uh, now we've got our strategic plan almost finished. We do have events coming up on the fishing and hunting side. Um, so we want to stay in contact with those folks. It's important to know what they want to learn before they come to the event. And then also we want to follow up. So we follow up right after what, you know, what did you like? What did you not like? Follow up again in a few months and just make sure that we're keeping that touch point so we can continue to help them on that journey. So we want to know what do you want to learn next? What can we offer you? Is there any information you need? Do you want to know where to go hunt, where to go fish? And as long as we kind of stay in contact without being kind of a bother to those folks, That gives them the opportunity to keep gaining in more information. And we can connect them also with NGOs around the state if they have a special interest in turkey hunting then we can maybe get them started in turkey hunting, but then turn them on to NWTF, and then they have a community that they can continue to learn from.
0: Cindy, it's always great to have you be a part of Indiana Outdoors. We'll see you out there next weekend for Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Dear Turkey Waterfowl, stop by, say hello, learn some information from Cindy. Plus, you're just a darn nice person to visit with. So I'll look forward to seeing you next weekend, okay? <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for being Thank a part you. of this.
1: Yeah, please stop and say hi.
0: All right. We will. Thanks so much, Cindy Stites. One of my favorites. It is the Indiana Outdoor Show, brought to you by Indiana Donor Network, driven to save lives.org. You can buy a hunting and fishing license and do that at the same time. See, I just weave that in there. Anyway, don't go anywhere. Speaking of the deer, turkey, waterfowl, hunter education is next, right after this. The Indiana Outdoor Show I hope you know that by now I am your host, Brian Pointer. So great to visit with you. It is the start of the 69th annual Ford Boat and Travel Show, Deer Turkey Waterfowl Expo. Show within a show starts next Friday. Very exciting stuff. Opening night last night, thanks to Cindy Stites, the R3 coordinator for the state, talking about her presence at the Deer Turkey Waterfowl and her division, as well as all the others that have joined us in the last few months. One of the highlights at the Deer Turkey Waterfowl Expo is our friends in hunter education, Tim Beck joined. Me Tim, it's always great to visit with you, my friend. How have you been? Been good. Real good. Good and busy. Yeah, it's it to be that time of the year, I understand, and you guys always have... Uh, A a corner spot so to speak and you bring some fun action especially for the utes that are out there and I have a great picture of my son shooting the BB guns that's framed uh, from a ended up in the star and I was standing right behind him and it sits on his desk so don't think that you don't make memories at these things but what can people see out at the Boat Sport and Travel Show Deer Turkey Waterfowl Expo for hunter education this year?
3: Well, we're excited once again to be there on the 23rd to the 25th. We're going to have our booth again. As you say, it's kind of right there on the corner. Uh, We're going to have our interactive uh, laser shot uh, shooting system there. So we'll be simulating a hunt. Uh, that want everybody to stop by and join us. Uh, We'll be doing that. We'll have some furs and everything there to talk about the critters that are native to Indiana, and we'll also be promoting the Becoming an Outdoor Woman program that we'll be doing in May. So we've got a lot of exciting things happening at the deer, turkey, and waterfowl. And a big one that we also do is every day on the stage, we are going to be there doing a tree stand safety demonstration. Uh, We'll be using the different elevated stands and trying to make sure people stay safe while they're using using them.
0: Well, Tim Beck is the hunter ed coordinator for the state. Uh, th- literally a 1,000 volunteers around Indiana that make our hunter education program so good, so unique, and we're going to get to the rules here about hunter education because now is the time to start booking and finding a class, uh, especially for planning turkey season or just to be ready for the fall. So, you know, safety and hunter education go hand in hand. I've seen the presentations that you do out there, but it's just more of coming by your booth and visiting with oftentimes law enforcement officers or asking questions uh you interact with thousands of people in that three-day period and you wouldn't do if it, if it if it wasn't rewarding but what are some of the things that you hope people can take away if they stop by your hunter education booth
3: well, the big thing there is we will have our Indiana conservation officers will be in the booth. Uh, it's a great time to just stop and talk to them. If you got a question to ask them, uh, they're there to intermingle and, to, and just talk to you about it. You're going to see some of our volunteers there that dedicate their time and efforts to make sure Indiana hunters stay safe in the field. Uh, we'll be showcasing a lot of our educational programs that we do across the state. So we're going to have information on them Uh Throughout the summer, we do youth camps. Uh, we have our big Indiana NAS National Archery in the School State Tournament coming up here March 9th, where we'll have over 2,400 students from across the state shoot bullseye and another 800 shooting the 3D range. So we're going to have highlights of all of our programs and, and just be there to help answer any question anybody may have or introduce them to some of our programs.
0: Tim Beck is with us. You talked a couple of things. The BOW, Becoming an Outdoor Woman, wildly popular, sells out in hours. Yeah. It's so important for providing opportunities for people. And at the end of the conversation, I uh, am so thrilled with what you guys have been able to do with that. But I know the National Archery in the Schools program but prolific isn't even the right word i mean what a great opportunity for hoosiers uh and you guys have done a great job thousands of kids participating across indiana etc so as you are kind of looking forward to some of those things that you talked about so many volunteers needed what do people need to know about hunter education and when and how do they sign up find a class and what's the dates and all that good stuff
3: well, the program's driven behind safety. That's everything on it. Um, if you're born after December 31st of 1986, you are required to have hunter education to purchase an Indiana hunting license, uh, regardless of what license it is. We do have the apprentice license available out there for, for people who want to go out and try to experience hunting to see if it's good for them. But so we, our conservation officers and our volunteers across the state do an excellent job in providing uh high-quality in-person class. There are also online uh, classes that you can take. But to be honest with you, we've seen a a really nice rise in in in-person attendance at our classes. So we try to make this a fun learning activity that's for young and old alike. Uh, We may have the most experienced hunter out there bring someone to a class and everything, and it's not uncommon for them to walk up, shake one of the instructor's hands, say, man, I've been hunting for years, but man, I definitely picked some neat things up at this class. So it's it's all about trying to provide a service and a benefit to the people who hunt our great state here in Indiana.
0: Well, it's not just a service. It's a requirement by law. And as you've said, the reciprocity with other states, also very important if you want to hunt in other places, but I'm going to be a personal testimony to what you just said. So I took hunter education back in the gosh, early eighties, probably. And I still have my original hunter education card. And then as my kids became of age, we did that as a kind of a family fun time and did the in-person class, which I always advocate. I know there's other opportunities and sometimes it's just not physically possible. But the in-person dynamic of seeing other like-minded Hoosiers together, especially when you have teenagers or people that might be intimidated a little bit about hunting or they show up maybe, oh gosh, I have to do this to meet the requirements by law. But like you said, I went through this with them again and I found it extraordinarily beneficial. Uh, It's not like I didn't know what I was doing, but it was presented in a way. I was like, you know what? That's a great reminder. I didn't realize that. So the in-person classes are Absolutely one of my favorite things to do. And my kids still talk about hunter education from some of the fun stuff that we did. And it was, you know, maybe it wasn't going necessarily to hunter education, but we got to go to dinner afterward. I don't care what they remember. They still went and had a great experience.
3: Yeah, it's all about it. Truly, our motto is passing it on. And that's what it's about, Brian, passing on safe, responsible, uh, wise management of our natural resources and being safe while you're out there. Well, let's do this. uh, Let's make sure
0: people know how to get in touch. If they're looking for a class, thinking, yep, I got to go, I got to take my son, my daughter, my mom, my dad, whatever. How do they do it?
3: Easiest way to do it, Brian, is just go to the on your phone or on your computer and type in Indiana. HunterEducation.com, and that'll take you right to our webpage where you can sign up for the class. It'll give you all the options, and it also takes you there if you've already taken it and you lost your card. You can go right there to retrieve a new card as well, so Indiana IndianaHunterEducation.com will get you right where you need to go.
0: Tim, I hope a lot of Hoosiers and a lot of young folks stop by your booth coming up next weekend. You know I'll see you there. You always have good snacks back there, too. You guys pack it in. <laughs> I like to watch what you guys do. Nonetheless, thanks so much for being a part of Indiana Outdoors and we'll see you out at the Deer Turkey Waterfowl Expo next weekend. righty, thank you. We'll be there. My pleasure. One of the hardest working guys in the outdoors, Tim Beck. Thanks for all the work that he does along with a thousand other volunteers. We're going to be back. It's the Indiana Outdoor Show right after this. This almost every week I learned something uh, almost every week. Yeah, I did. It's Brian Pointer, your host of Indiana Outdoors, brought to you by Indiana Donor Network, driven to save lives My thrill and privilege. It's that time of the year, the 69th annual Ford Boatness Travel Show. Thanks to Cindy Stites, the R3 Recruit, Retain, Reactivate Coordinator here in the state of Indiana. Check their booth out at the Deer Turkey Waterfowl Expo. Same with Tim Beck. If you've been there, you know where their booth is. It's the same every year, and they always have a line of kids. This year, they're doing their interactive shooting, and there'll be a lot of folks, conservation officers and law enforcement, that you can ask your questions to. Plus, you can get signed up. Find a local... Uh, Hunter education class near you. So thrilled to have the National Shooting Sports Foundation, Chris Lee, talking about these bills, this retail code stuff, these lawsuits up in this lawsuit up in Gary. I had no idea that that thing was still going on, but so articulate, and I wouldn't want his job to save my life. Nonetheless, I also learned Riz. Yes, see, we talked about having some swagger. Well, thanks to Cindy Stites, I got a new word I got to throw in to my vernacular this weekend. Nonetheless, it is the Indiana Outdoor Show. Remember, turn in a poacher, 1-800-TIP-I-D-N-R. I D N R. will see you out at the great big show this weekend or next. Have a good one, everybody.